Welcome to another great message by Pastor Adrian Wright, lead pastor at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. Not every Sunday that you get to be in church and hear about sex, but today is your day. Um, So if you're visiting with us, you've heard correctly, we're discussing sex and sexual intimacy and the beauty of what God has designed it to be, and His intended purpose for it in our lives and in our relationships. And we believe that it is important for us to talk about this. We believe that it is important for us to know the truth, to know God's heart and perspective on this. Otherwise, we'll draw our perspective and our education and our views from everything that we see on Netflix and in series and in movies and on social media. And, uh, and it'll become an area of our lives that is functioning in a way that, that is harmful, that isn't functioning according to the way that it was designed and that God planned and purposed for it um, to be appropriated in our lives. So we believe it's important to talk about it, first and foremost, because the Bible talks about it. If you've read the Bible, if you've read parts of the Bible, if you've read any of the New Testament and a lot of the Old Testament, you'll see that the Bible doesn't shy away from this topic in the least. We read a couple of scriptures last week from Song of Songs that, you know, we needed to take out handkerchiefs and just kind of like wipe the sweat off our brows. It was like a, it was intense. The Bible doesn't shy away from the topic of sex, but instead, It gives us incredible insight into what God intended for it to be and the value that God places on sex and on sexuality and on us, ultimately, on our lives and our souls and and how He cares about us and our relationships. So we talk about the Bible because we talk about sex because the Bible talks about sex. But beyond that, we also talk about it because this is an area that because of the power that God has put within sexual intimacy has great potential when taken out of God's purpose and design for it to cause a lot of harm. Countless, countless, countless lives have been wrecked and ruined. Families destroyed, torn apart. Children's lives set on a course of destruction. Ministries derailed as a result of brokenness in this area. We love people here at Anchor Church, so we want to talk about the things that have the potential to harm you because in God's perspective and in the way that God has designed it, it actually carries the potential to bless you, to strengthen marriages and and to be a joy to us. It's something that God created not just for procreation but for recreation, and that's a direct quote from somebody a lot more spiritual than me, all right? So I can't remember his name, but it it was somebody. I read it in a book. So the point is... The point is that that this is something to be enjoyed when experienced in the way that God has designed for it to be experienced. And you know, when God adds something to our lives, He adds it and He adds no sorrow to it. It is shameless. It is guilt-free. It is something that we're able to enjoy without carrying weight or burden. It doesn't add burden to our lives. When we take it outside of God's context and we repurpose it for our own desires and our own lusts and our, and, our, and our own means and ends, then what it ends up doing is that it ends up adding burden and weight and shame. Even if we try to shake it off and say, no, 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 I can do what I want. I can do what I want. And you, you're free to do what you want, but you aren't always free to choose the consequence of what you've done. And that's the consequence that often ruins lives and that weighs us down. And so God has given us this as something to enjoy and not to impact us negatively. 
But thirdly, and what I really want to focus on today, is how the world has cheapened the gift of sex. It's actually placed a lower value on sex. It's actually degraded sex to such a great degree that it's relegated it to something purely physical, like eating or sleeping or, 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 or drinking. You know, it's, they, they've put it down to just a basic, almost animalistic type need that, that carries no spiritual significance. The world has a terrible view of sex, a very cheap view of sex. And it's dishonoring to to ourselves and to God to um, see sex in the way that the world does. People say things like, it's just physical or it's just sex, as if it could ever just be sex, not realizing that this approach ultimately robs them. It robs them of a gift that God has given to us of, of the beauty and the power of sexual connection that God has intended for it to be. So we are going to have a conversation over these things, and in week four, um, in two weeks' time, we're going to answer some of your questions. So we're going to actually do Q&A in week four of this series, and so I just wanted to put a number up there, and you can text your questions to that number. It's a little bit longer than usual number, but that goes through um, uh, to our online platform, and it also is anonymous, okay? So don't worry, we won't know who texted us, and so you can ask your anonymous questions. Um, if you don't want it to be anonymous, you can put your name, that's fine. Um, but right now in the service, if you wanted to, um, you are welcome. If you think of a question, write it down or take down the number, and then afterwards you are welcome to type out that, that question, text it to us, and in week four, we will address as many of those questions as we can. So we will do the Q&A, and, &A and uh, that's going to be a fun Sunday as well in two weeks' time. But today, I want to share a message with you entitled, Restoring the Gift. Restoring the gift, the gift of sex, the gift of sexual connection and intimacy, because I believe that God wants to restore the gift of sex. And God wants to restore the gift of sex to married people here today. He wants to restore our view of sex. Often, often the issue is, and I mentioned this last week, but often the issue is that unmarried people are having sex and married people are not having sex. Okay, that's often the problem. That's part of the brokenness. That's a symptom of the brokenness we as a community face in this area, that sex becomes something kind of non-existent within marriage or unimportant, degraded in marriage, and then outside of marriage, people are experiencing it in a way that, that is harmful as well. And so first of all, to the married people here today, we believe that God wants to restore the joy and the beauty and yes, also the frequency of sex within marriage. And all the married men said, amen, all right? I don't always say amen, but everyone's like, amen, pastor. Good preaching. The frequency of the sexual connection with your spouse, a place to, to know and be known and to, and to connect with one another and, and, and to do so without shame or guilt as an act of worship to God just loving and serving the person that, you've, that you're in a covenant with. That's the gift that God wants to restore to married people here today. And for single people, those that are not yet married, God wants to help restore your view of sex and help you to place a higher value on yourself and on your, on your own soul, on your journey. 
God wants you to care about your journey. He wants you to care about your future. He wants you to care about the marriage that you may still have in the future. To trust God in this season. To put a higher value on your relationship with Him. Trust Him and to see how you can worship God as an act of worship by waiting on Him for the right time. That's something that our faith always requires, married, unmarried. There's always patience that is needed. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. And the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. And so God has every good gift for you. But sometimes we need to be patient because a good gift taken out of context becomes something destructive in our lives. And so God wants to give you grace for your journey and the commitment to be able to wait. That is an act of worship. How much do you value your relationship with God? How much do you value His Word? How much do you value His truth? And and how much do you trust that He truly wants to bless you? God wants to restore the gift of sex to singles by encouraging you to appropriate it in the correct way in your life. I'm gonna go to 1 Timothy chapter number four and verse one. I wanna talk a little bit about this gift this morning. 1 Timothy four verse one says, but the Spirit explicitly declares that in later times, some will turn away from the faith, paying attention instead to deceitful and, de- and seductive spirits and the doctrines of demons. That's quite heavy. He says that at later times, people are gonna walk away from what the Bible says, what the faith is, what the gospel's all about, and they're gonna start to follow their own teachings and their own things. They're gonna be seduced by certain spirits, and the doctrines, the things that they believe, the tenets of their belief, will be things that are actually put forward by the enemy. They will begin to believe the doctrines of demons misled by the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and have knowledge of the truth. For everything, listen to this, everything God has created is good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified, set apart, and dedicated to God by means of the word of God and prayer. This is an amazing scripture because when we think of the devil's tactics in our lives, when we think of the enemy's tactics, we always think that the enemy is trying to get us to partake in things that are evil. Like that's his number one strategy. Do things that you're not supposed to do get you to to revel in sinful things and, and things that are harmful. And that definitely is one of his strategies. We know that. But I would say that's probably one of the least of the devil's strategies. The greatest strategy that the devil actually has isn't getting you to partake in evil, but in getting you to abstain from things that are good. Getting you to hold back from things that are actually truly good and were created good. In other words, what the devil wants to do is he wants to corrupt the good gifts of God by impressing on us the idea that we can be more religious or even more pious, but actually it's just more self-righteous by abstaining from certain things. And so what Paul writes here is he says, there are people that have come and they are liars, they're hypocritical, and they come teaching you through seducing spirits and doctrines of demons by saying, oh, oh, you know what, you know what, you're not allowed to eat certain foods. If you're gonna be really holy, you're not allowed to eat certain foods. And you know what? You're not allowed to get married. 
to, to be really holy. You're not allowed to ha- be married. You're not allowed to, to have sex. You're not allowed to do these things. And if you can abstain, then you'll be truly good. And it's a corruption of the gift because what Paul says is that God has given these good things. And so God has created these things as good, but the enemy's strategy, the doctrine of demons, is to take good things, including sex, and to pervert it and to corrupt the gift. And to either get us to give ourselves to it in a way that is harmful and outside of the context for what God intended it to be, or to abstain from it completely and to view it as evil. If your view of sex is that it is evil, then you have, the, you have a non-biblical view of sex. That's not God's view. That's not what he believes. So when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, there are those who forbid marriage and advocate abstinence from certain foods. And these things, this kind of religious, false, self-righteous piety are taught by seductive spirits and the doctrines of demons. But those who have the knowledge of truth, they are able to gratefully receive all that God has created and enjoy them as sanctified as set apart for use by God. And this includes the gift of sex. And so we are absolutely pro-sex here at Anchor Church because the Bible is pro-sex, because God is pro-sex. We want you to have an incredible relationship and healthy relationship with sex. But in order to have that, we need it to be sanctified. We need it to be set apart for use by God. How your body is used has the potential to bless and to honor and to glorify God, but it also has the same potential to destroy and to harm. And so we actually need to commit ourselves to setting our sexual lives apart for use by God, setting it aside in a way that glorifies God and to honor God in our bodies. And the Bible says, because we were bought at a price, our bodies don't belong to us. Jesus paid the full price for our souls, for our redemption on the cross. And so we get to now use our redeemed lives, including our bodies, to worship God. And this is an important aspect of our worship. So we worship God by how we conduct ourselves in our physical bodies. Sex is something to be valued, therefore, and to be shared in the context for which God created it. Last week, we read an excerpt from the Song of Songs, which is a book in the Old Testament that describes the beauty of sex between a virgin couple that are enjoying sex for the first time. And, and after describing the stages of intimacy, I mean, there is, guys, you've got to go study that book, Married Men. Um, there are some stages that they take you through. Uh, but after describing the stages of intimacy, the husband says the following. He says this in Song of Songs 5, verse 1, just the first part of that scripture says, I have come into my garden. My sister, my bride, I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I have drunk my wine and my milk. (laughs) This is a picture of a couple lying in bed after experiencing sexual intimacy together on their honeymoon. And there's an incredible celebration of the, the mingling of souls, the supernatural elements, the, the exhilaration of what sex within marriage feels like, the shamelessness and how guilt-free and open and honest it can be. And, 
And as it des- describes this, it shows us the reverence and the respect even that the husband has to his wife. This is not manipulative sex. This is not abusive sex. This is not insecure sex. This is not broken sex. This is not the experience that so many have had. This is something so pure and so beautiful. He says, my sister, my bride. You know, we we talk about in, in, in Christian circles from Scripture, it talks about honoring one another as brothers and sisters. And he recognizes that first and foremost, his wife is a child of God. And he will honor her as a child of God. Because he places a high value on her, he chooses to wait until this moment to share intimacy with her. My sister, my bride. Because it's his bride, it's his garden. Before that, it was her garden. But now he can enjoy it. Now he can experience. Ryan, keep it together. Now he can experience it and enjoy it. And revel in the pleasure of the moment. Experience the fullness of it. But the story here isn't quite done. We hear a voice in the second part of that verse from the outside speaking. Now, to be clear, this is a couple in their bedroom, lying in bed after having sexual intimacy. Let's just make this clear. There is no one else in the room, okay? But there's another voice that speaks. And this is the voice of God that speaks over. Just imagine God speaking over this couple in this moment. And in Song of Songs 5 verse 1, in the second part of that verse, it says, eat, friends, and drink. Drink your fill of love. That's God's view of sex. It's a gift. And to married couples, he says, eat, friends, drink. Drink your fill of love. Experience the fullness of what I created this to be. God speaking into the bedroom of two lovers. And he says, drink your fill of love. We saw how when God created the world, he looked at everything he created and and he said everything that God saw was very good. And in the Hebrew language, it was lyrical. It was almost like God was singing over what he created. And, and, And looking at this couple, having enjoyed something so powerful that God created, it's like he sings over it. He rejoices over it. God's view of sex is incredible, it's rich, it's beautiful, it's highly valued. The problem is that we live in a world where sex is defaced and devalued and cheapened. Like so many other things in our world, this happens when we turn the gift into God. We turn the gift into God. We we turn it into something that we worship. We worship the creation rather than the creator. We make balls out of our blessings. Idolatry is, in essence, anything you worship outside of God, the God who created us. In Ephesians 6, it actually says that we are to make melody in our hearts continually unto the Lord. And and it speaks about that just after having spoken about marriage. So that's in Ephesians 5. Just after having spoken about marriage, it says, make melody continuously, continuously in your heart unto the Lord. In other words, worship is not just something that you do it starts as something that you believe, something that, that, that causes melody to resound on the inside of your heart. What moves you? What do you live by? What is your motivation in life? What do you look to for significance, for fulfillment, for satisfaction, and for worth? And if you find any of those things outside of the God who created you, 
then you've turned whatever you look to into an idol. It's idolatry. It's ascribing worship and worth to something that is unable to fulfill you. It's setting yourself up for failure. And we all do this. The novelist David Foster Wallace, a few years before he committed suicide, he said this. He said, everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. We are hardwired for worship, and all of us will worship something, make something ultimate in our lives, whether it's your career or your money or your relationships or sex. You will, you will find your significance in one of those things, and this is not just a religious thing. It's a human thing. We're made to worship, but sin bends us towards worshiping the wrong things, and so sex has become a god, idolatry to so many in our world. In Romans 1 verse 24, it says, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity. They, 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 they rejected God in their knowledge, it says. They, they said, there is no God. And so God said, okay, I, I take my hands off. If, if you reject the knowledge of God, he hands you over to the consequence of, of what you've chosen that you want. So God's handed them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies. See, degrading, devaluing breaking down, defacing their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and listen to this, and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. Isn't it telling that Paul's very first example of idolatry in Romans chapter one is sex? The moment you reject the knowledge of God and his purpose and plans for your life and you begin to worship creation rather than the creator, one of the first areas that you will begin to experience brokenness is in the area of sexuality. Where you're ultimately worshiping creation over the creator. In Paul's day, the goddess of sexuality was Aphrodite. And the center of the worship of Aphrodite was in the Ephesus. And at one point, Paul was planting a church there and building a church there. And the, there was a temple um, that was dedicated to, to Aphrodite in Ephesus that is said to have housed over 1,000 temple prostitutes. Men would come from all over the world to come and worship Aphrodite in Ephesus by sleeping with one of these prostitutes. And today, Aphrodite, or the spirit of Aphrodite, is alive and well. Today, she's the head of a global multi-million dollar industry that involves entertainment, marketing, pornography, strip clubs, fashion, plastic surgery. All of it is a part of her temple. And she demands, she demands that we make sacrifices to her. Your innocence has to be sacrificed your purity has to be sacrificed. Your physical well-being has to be sacrificed. And most importantly, your freedom has to be sacrificed on the altar of Aphrodite. Sex is a wonderful gift, but a horrible God. Dr. James Dobson spoke about how he went to some college students and was speaking about sex and, and, and he was speaking about masturbation and all these different things and, and, and one of the, the college students at one point put up his hand and said, and said, you know what, I masturbate every day and I love it. And Dr. James Dobson looked at him and said, well, congratulations, first off. <laughs> but here's the real question. The question isn't, can you do it every day if you wanted to? The question is, can you stop 
if you wanted to. Because if you cannot stop, you're not free as you suppose that you are. You're a slave. Aphrodite will make you a slave. She will demand that you give up your desire to glorify God in order to rather glorify her. When sex is your God, you have to download pornography. You have to sleep with your boyfriend. You have to give in to your body's cravings, even if you know it'll steal from your future. You have no choice because you're a slave. It's so far from the freedom that God desires for us to have. And that's why we have some good news for you here in this series. That's why we believe God wants to restore something to you. You know what he wants to restore? He wants to restore true freedom to your life. You know what true freedom is? The ability to say no. The ability to not settle. The ability to be able to hold out for something better. To say no to something in order to say yes to something so much greater and more meaningful and more powerful. So we, get, we have the freedom. We've been liberated from sin. We're not slaves to sin anymore. We get to hold out for something better. And as we turn to Jesus, he liberates us, but he also gives us the grace. Some of you are thinking, that, that would never work for me. I remember going to Botswana, and I picked randomly a place on the map, and it was a little town called Palapi, and I decided I was gonna do some ministry there, and I was just gonna drive up there with a friend. We camped in a tent, and we were just gonna go and talk to people in the streets and pray for them and see what God would do, and we went into a shabin. It was a Saturday, and the shabin was packed, and most of the people were drunk, and we walked in there, and we started telling them about Jesus, and the one guy, really, really drunk, walked up to us, kind of stumbled over to us, and, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and he's like, I can accept all this Jesus things, and, and, and I hear what you're saying, and whatever, but he's like, but tell me, are you trying to say that you as a young man are not currently having sex? That was his thing. Like, like nothing. He's like, I can believe there's a heaven and a hell and a God and a devil. and we're like, But I cannot believe that you're not having sex. And for so many people, they're like, yeah, I can, take, I can do the Christian thing. I can even go to church. I can even sing the songs. But don't start to tell me how I must live my life. But you see, we're not here to be compartmentalized. We're not here to be fake. We're not living one life out there and a different life out in here. We're here to be on an authentic journey with Jesus and God gives us the grace to live out that life. A life free from the carnage and pain caused by sex when it is torn out of God's hands. God brings healing to our lives and even if you have made mistakes in this area, if you're sitting here this morning and you know that you haven't followed God's path, I believe God can restore you and that the Holy Spirit can reveal your worth to your heart and in God's eyes so that you worship Him rather than sex. Amen? Amen. Song of Songs 2, verse 6. And this is the bride. This is in a period of foreplay. I said it in church. Um, <laughs> but his left hand is under my head. This is the, the, the bride speaking. And his right hand embraces me. Promise me a woman of Jerusalem. She's experiencing this for the first time. And she begins to experience the exhilaration of sexual arousal and intimacy. And she says, promise me. Promise me a woman of Jerusalem not to stir up or awaken love until the time is right. She's saying, this is so incredible, so beautiful, so amazing. Promise me a woman of Jerusalem, a woman of God, a sisters and daughters of God, that you will not awaken this until the time is right. It's too precious. It's too valuable to be cheapened. 
Promise me you won't stir it up or awaken it. Unmarried people, sex is an incredible gift. Do not awaken it before the time is right. It will bring harm to your soul and to your future. Rather, restore the gift to be enjoyed at a future date. You might be saying, I don't know how I can go from where I am to that place by the grace of God. You can, and we can support you. We can help you. We can pray for you. We can, we can advise you on some boundaries that you can put in your life. But when you honor God with your body, the Bible says that sexual sin is the only sin that you commit against your own body, and you cause war to be waged within the members of your physical body. So as, as, as good as sex might feel in the moment, the problem is outside of the right context, it just brings guilt and shame and weight and the sense of conflict within you. But when you are honoring God with your body, your soul rejoices and you live free. And sometimes the gift of sex means the gift of abstaining from it. Because some of you are like, I'm, why are you talking to me about the gift of sex? I'm not married. Or I'm not married anymore. But sometimes you can give yourself the gift of sex by abstaining from it and thereby experiencing peace in your life. Restoring the peace of God to your own soul and to your own body. Give yourself that gift. I want to almost said touch on, um, but I want to speak about couples that live together. Cohabitation. It is an accepted thing in our society. People are like, it's the step before marriage. They go, you know, you, you, you date and then you live together and then you get married. And, and I counsel couples a lot. I do weddings a lot. And the most recent couple that I did a wedding with, they had actually lived together. And, and, and so I sat with them and I had a very real and a very honest conversation about the fact that they had lived together. I asked them the question, if you could do it over, what would you change? And they didn't bring up the fact that they would hold out and that they would wait um, to do it right. And so I had to speak directly into that oversight on them and I had to speak into what it was. But as, as it stands currently in the world, half of all marriages will end in divorce. If you went to an airport and, and you heard that half the flights today are gonna crash, would you get on an airplane? It's an important decision, marriage. But what people don't realize, so they say, what we're going to do is we're going to live together first, and then we're going to make sure this plane is safe, and then we can get married. But the statistic, and I'm just telling you the mathematical statistics just from the studies that have been done, is that the moment you cohabitate, your odds of divorce go from 50% to 66%, two-thirds chance. I have known couples that have lived together for eight years. I knew one couple lived together for eight years, got married, were divorced three months later. And there's a reason for that. God has designed certain things in their place, and we all know that in the, even in the first year of marriage, as two people come together to form one life, it can be a difficult time as you're figuring out things and, 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 and making compromising and adjusting to one another. And God has put the gift of sex in marriage to bind you together as you go through the difficult moments. But when you've already experienced the sex and the novelty and the joy and and it's become something jaded and something degraded to you. You now just face the difficulty without the joy. So I told that couple, you're gonna have to work twice as hard as everybody else in order to have the successful marriage that God wants for you. Two thirds. 
is, the, is what you've set yourself up for. Many times, living together and having sexual intimacy before marriage binds you to a person that if you weren't having sex with them, you probably wouldn't still be with. It, it clear, clutters your vision as to whether or not this is the person you're supposed to marry because it's binding you outside of covenant. And then a lot of people enter into that covenant not having truly looked at whether or not it was the right relationship for them. The only context for sex is covenant. And if you're here and you're living together with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, let me put it this way. If you, if you know that they're the person that you're supposed to be marrying, then marry them, right? We can help you with that. <laughs> Come and chat to us. If you know this is the person you're supposed to marry, let us help you out. Marry them, and then you'll experience that shamelessness. And if you're not sure that it's the person you're supposed to marry, then what are you doing, young people? What are you doing if you know that you're not supposed to marry this person? So either get on the journey to marry them or don't marry them, but don't allow yourself to be swept away. Hebrews 13 verse four says, let marriage be held in honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled. Let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. You see, it's about honor. It's about value. The Message Bible says, God, the sacredness of sexual intimacy between husband and wife. Okay, all the single people, all the unmarried people, you can take a deep breath. I'm done with you for the morning, okay? <laughs> Now we come to married couples. Can I share one of my, it's also my last scripture this morning, but one of my favorite sex scriptures. The Bible has sex scriptures. I'm gonna share one of my favorite ones. Last week we spoke about how your body is not your own, but it belongs to God, and we honor God because he paid a, paid a great price for you. But when you're married, how you honor God and your sexuality goes one step further. And we see it here in 1 Corinthians 7. Last week we looked at 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 1 says, now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, and now Paul's going to talk about sex. So I love the fact that the church in Corinth is like, guys, what do we do about the sex issue? Like, I mean, what do we do about marriage and living together and, and like whatever? And like, we don't know. Let's write Paul a letter. Can you imagine the guy penning that letter like, hey, hey Paul. Um, <laughs> so a couple of guys were just asking, and I, you know, it wasn't me. I was just asking for a friend, but... But Paul goes, regarding the questions you asked in your letter, you see, this is not a new issue. This is a human issue. He says, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. He's talking about those that feel that God has called them to a life of singleness. He says, it's good if that's what you feel God has called you to do. But because of the temptation to sexual sin, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill, this is where we start quoting, his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. I love the Bible. <laughs> Listen to this. It says, the wife gives authority over her body, and this is not an abuse in an abusive way. This is not in a manipulative way. This is in a way that serves and that honors your spouse. 
The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. There's a mutual submission here of saying, my body doesn't belong to me. I exist to serve my wife in all ways, not just sexually, but to serve her by protecting her, by providing for her, by loving her. My body is, is made to honor God and my spouse and my family. That's why this body exists. That's the gift God has given me. And so the whole idea of my body, my rules, it's unbiblical. God's body, God's rules, made to worship and to serve. Do not deprive each other, verse five, of sexual relations. Don't deprive each other unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. That's when you know that you are legit Christian, okay? Limited time only. Let's pray. Okay, we're done. All right. <laughs> but it says afterward, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's. You're to serve your husband or your wife, your spouse with your body and not deprive each other. Married couples, too many people that are married use their bodies or withhold their bodies in order to punish their spouse, to manipulate their spouse. Using terms like, if you don't do that for me, I won't give you sex. It, like, that's broken language. We you, do not deprive one another. We serve one another. Why would, why would God put this in the scriptures. This isn't, you, some of you are like, I'm gonna go read my Bible. This is amazing stuff. I don't know that's in there. Why would God put that in the scriptures? Because it's important. Because sex within marriage binds people together. It keeps them in touch with each other. It allows them to experience that deep connectedness and unity as they are refused into one. We counsel many couples. We talk to many married couples. We know that marriage is difficult and it's often in trouble. And whenever we speak to people that are experiencing difficulty in marriage, one of the first things that disappears is sexual intimacy. They're no longer intimate with one another. They're no longer connecting and refusing and uniting themselves together. They're no longer being intimate. Sex either becomes manipulative or apathetic, or impersonal. And we know as married couples that there are different kinds of sex as well, so it doesn't always need to be the same. Sometimes it's fun and playful, and other times it's, it's, it's intimate and meaningful, and, and, and we know that there's different ways to experience it. But if it becomes robotic, infrequent, and disconnected, then I believe that God wants to restore the gift of sex to your marriage the gift of unity, the gift of connectedness. And one of the ways that we can do that is, first of all, by repenting of falling short of the scriptures and the command of God to put a higher value on our spouse than we put on our own needs and desires and feelings and emotions. I'm not, I'm not here to punish and withhold. I'm, I'm here to serve. I'm sorry, God that I haven't been the husband and the wife, that I haven't served my husband and my wife, that I haven't connected them in the way 
that you have desired for me to do. It's to come to a place of recognition that when we do marriage God's way, that we, then we have God's results. But what you can do this morning is, is to make it your objective to serve your spouse, to serve your spouse, to connect with them physically and spiritually, to honor them with your body. And when both parties in that marriage, when, when both spouses approach sex in that way, I believe it will truly bring healing to your marriage. It will bring healing. You know why it's difficult if you're in a bad space in your marriage to experience or to engage in sexual intimacy? Because it makes you vulnerable again. If you're trying to shut your heart off to your spouse, your physical body will follow suit. But what sex does is that it reconnects you because it makes you vulnerable again. You, you might find that after connecting again sexually that all of a sudden you start talking again. You start sharing again. You start loving again. So don't rob yourself of the gift of sex that God has given to marriages. It will bring healing to your marriage. What the Bible tells us about sex in marriage is that it not only connects, it also protects. It protects each other. He says that you are not to withhold yourselves from each other, but come together again so that you won't become prey to temptation. So you're able to guard and to protect your spouse, to guard their hearts and, and to refresh their soul through remaining sexually intimate with them. Such a great gift. Why would we want to corrupt it? Why would we want to degrade it? Why would we want to devalue it? I'd like to finish today by just praying over you. If you're single, if you were married and you're no longer married, or if you are married, I believe that God wants to restore the gift of sex. And a part of us being a healthy community and a healthy example to our city is for us to show people that God's way works best. Amen? And we can experience the fullness of God for this area of our lives. So I want to just ask you to stand with me this morning just as we close. I'm going to pray over you. If you're here with your husband or your wife, you can put your arm around them right now. If you're not married, then maybe just keep your arms to yourself for a while. But let's just pray. Father, first of all, we just thank you that we can be authentic in front of you, Lord, that we can come as we are, that we can come with all of our questions, all of our struggles, all of our obstacles. God, we know that the world has taught us one thing. Our desires have led us down a certain path. Our obstacles and our challenges, even within marriage, have often caused us to act in a way that that is dishonoring to the gift that you've given us. We thank you, God, for the gift of sex, your purpose, your plan. We also thank you for the opportunity that we have, whether it's by having sex within marriage or not having it as unmarried people. We thank you, God, that we can honor you and glorify you in both circumstances. 
I pray today, Lord God, for single people or unmarried people, even those that are engaged to be married. We know that there is temptation, and we know, Lord God, that there is a natural instinct and movement towards intimacy. But we thank you, God, that we are not slaves of the flesh, that we're not slaves of sin, that simply give up what we believe is the truth of God and exchange it for the lie of, I need what I need. You are what we need, Jesus. And I thank you, God, that today you bring fulfillment, significance, worth, satisfaction to every unmarried person's heart that says, I have what I need in Jesus. The Lord is my husband. And so I can hold out until he adds my husband to me. Until that time, I will honor him with my body. And after that time, I will honor him in my marriage. We thank you, God, that you restore the value and the gift of sex to every unmarried person. For those that have experienced brokenness in this area, we thank you, God, that today you can bring healing to every damaged emotion, every part of the mind, and even the physical body. We thank you, God, that you bring healing to all of us so that we can have wholeness in this area. I pray for married couples today, Lord God. Couples that are, that are in a covenant with one another but have lost sight of the value and the power of sex in the relationship and their calling, the command of God to love one another as yourself, to serve one another, to bless one another. We thank you, God, that today you will restore the gift of sex to every marriage. Allow couples in this place to be refused, reconnected, vulnerable with each other, without shame or guilt. Eat, friends, drink. Drink your fill of love that we can experience the beauty and the passion that you have designed for us to experience, God. We thank you, God, that you restore the gift of sex and the value of sex. Forgive us, Lord, for allowing the world to rob us of its value. We put it in the right perspective this morning, in Jesus' name.